Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let us pray. God of hope, God of peace, God of joy, God of love, unite us, mind, body, and spirit, to hear the right word for the living of this day. Amen. So this is the last Sunday in Advent. Uh, We have been exploring activating Advent. Uh, First, we looked at hope, and we explored how the Ted Lasso series inspires hope. Ted reminds his people that there is sadness, but we are never alone. I kind of believe that uh, Ted Lasso and Jesus were brothers. We then looked with Joanne Enquist at the idea of peace and how she encouraged us to stay in the conversation, perhaps even plugging our nose, but staying in the conversation. Last week, we looked at joy, activating joy, and wondered about how vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. And today, as we step into our last Sunday, it is love and how love connects us one to the other. Love's a pretty big topic to roll into one sermon. Could be an entire decade on that topic. And if you go to various sources in our culture right now, there are many ways to learn about how to love and live love more fully. When I gather folks for the pre-marriage course, we often look at Gary Chapman's book, Love Languages, where he looks about how couples have different love languages and you need to know your partner's love language. He talks about some like to express love by giving gifts. Some like to express it by offering words of assurance or words of affirmation. You look great, thanks so much. You're doing a wonderful job. Or acts of service by by doing small things that say you love them, whether it's making coffee or shoveling a walk or, or ironing a shirt, helping another through acts of service. Others say that they prefer quality time spending time eye to eye, focusing on who they are and what matters to them and really listening and hearing each other. And some say that love comes in the fifth love language and physical touch, that a touch in the shoulder or an embrace or physical love is a way in which they know they are connected in love. Which which love language is yours? Which are your predominant love languages? Right now for me, because they do change a bit with time, There's a sense in which it is words of affirmation and quality time. That matters so much to me in my love life. What are your love languages? If you think philosophically, there's other ways of looking at love. Uh, We talk about it in big ways. We talk about it in the Greek word philia. Philia is brotherly or sisterly love that involves some sense of sacrifice for the other. Some talk about the second kind of love as eros, physical touch, embodiment, one to the other. But it's in that connection, one to the other, in eroticism, that love is fully known, that connection. And thirdly, maybe it's agape love, which we might talk about in the church's unconditional love, where there's an altruism to that love. Is it philia? Is it eros? Is it agape? Which love is most predominant in your life. You see, when we consider love, it often invites us to, to expand our thinking and to listen to our heart and understand fully how we love and express love and receive love. 
But I guess what we know most fully is that we don't want love explained, for goodness sakes, at least not in a sermon. We want it fully to be experienced. Love is a full body experience, mind, heart, soul, touch, physical. It's so important to get that love is in the heart, not in the mind. I came across a great article this week that speaks of this embodiment of love and how it fits theologically. In Jesus, God made us a human heart so that we could love. While God can be described as a moral force, as consciousness, as a high vibrational energy, the truth is we don't fall in love with abstractions. So God became a person that we could hear, with, see with our eyes, look at, and touch with our hands, John's Gospel writes. You see, love is God incarnate always begins with particular, this woman, this man, this dog, this beetle, this Moses, this Mary, this Jesus of Nazareth. It is in this individual and concrete that our hearts are opened to an I-thou relationship. You see, love invites deep connection, deep union, and deep love. And that love can be known in creation. It can be known in animals, as you'll hear about today, and also in people. Love is what connects us and unifies us. Some people say that they can no longer say the word God because it is so misunderstood. They simply word, use the word love in capital letters. That's who God is. So I don't know about you, one of the things I've known about this dog, this beetle, this Moses, is the particularity about how love works. And that particularity leads to connection. And if there's one thing we know about COVID, it has made us disconnected. The masks cut off part of our face. The social distancing moves us away from one another. And the regulations are all about keeping us apart and disconnected which is good for our health and good for this pandemic, but it is hard on our mental health. And so what has helped us, I've been so curious, and you know this, during the plant pandemic, one of the things we have noted is how people have connected fully with animals more than ever. I spoke with a veterinarian this week in our neighborhood, and she talked about how there have been a, there's been an increase in animals. People are getting animals to seek that connection, that physical contact, that connection. And there's less vets because vets are burning out. There's too many animals. In the conversation, I said, so what do animals do for us? Why are we drawn to them? This incarnation, if you will. She said, well, pets provide us connection. They provide contact. They provide touch, and they provide unconditional love. I know that to be true. I can go home at the end of the day, and my dog's at the door with a stuffy to give me and a tail wagging. They don't care whether I made mistakes, whether I had a good sermon or bad sermon. They just simply want to wag their tail and be received in love, and that's what we experience in pets. If you've been on any Zoom meetings in the last two years, you'll see Inevitably, a cat will wander across the screen or on the shoulder, or a dog will bark. Our pets are part of our life, and it is indeed so much a part of our life that they are indeed what we perhaps may love the most. You see, pets do so much for us. They 
They can hear us sing. They can hear us laugh. They, they know when we cry and they're intuitive. Pets offer us so much in the incarnation of who they are. And I believe in this sermon this day that they offer us what it's like to know love in the flesh. Pets can do that. I had a cat summer this past year. One day when I was walking by the front door of our house, I looked out and I saw a flash of black. And I thought it was our cat, but I looked down and it was this, what I thought was a kitten. It was starved. I brought down some food and just gobbled it up. It stayed under our front step for six weeks, coming in and out of our house. We took care of this cat that we assumed was lost. In fact, the truth is I took it and got shots. We found out that it was 19 years old. I gave it a bath and assumed that it was now our cat until one day we discovered on the neighborhood watch someone had lost a cat and indeed we returned the cat I called Jim back to their owners who called that cat Spike. So we found a cat and we also lost a cat this summer, our cat Ivy, who we've had just over a year. I put her out one morning at three in the morning and we have yet to see her come home. Every morning when I get up in the morning, I go down and I look out the window to see if she has returned. I went through the neighborhood with Ann and I posted 51 signs, Charlotte and Ann and I, 51 signs on different parts of our neighborhood, lost cat. I kind of believe that our cat's just gone on an extended holiday. I'll still look every day for that cat but this summer was a lost and a found cat summer. I believe that some people hate cats. Some people love cats. One of the funny things that happened this week is we gathered on Monday to look at uh, this coming service. I had in my mind that I wanted to reflect on us how, on how pets and animals have been that love and that comfort during COVID. And unbeknownst to her, Lori Fallis showed up on screen to be part of the worship planning. And as I unfolded my idea, she couldn't believe it. And she said, I could not believe you're talking about this. Just 10 minutes ago, prior to this meeting, I was watching a bit of TV and these advertisements appeared. So she showed them to us and we'll show them to you now. Here are these advertisements about what pets do for us. They don't care where you're from. They don't care who you marry. They don't care about your age, how you look, or if you go to therapy. Pets don't care about what makes us different. They just love. One in five pets find homes through PetSmart Charities. Adopt today at PetSmartCharities.org.
Can't you see in these words the culture speaking about the importance of connection to animals and how pets open our heart and soften our heart and invite the truest of ourselves to come out in a pet of some kind? Now, you might want to leave this meeting. You might want to mute me right now because you're not a pet lover or certainly not a cat lover or a dog lover. Let's take a look at these funny memes that we see in our culture that remind us there's a difference between cats and dogs. I giggled when I saw these particular pictures. You know, it's not just about domesticated animals. Our indigenous people in the book we looked at earlier talk about how there are spirit animals and it invites us to wonder and imagine what our spirit animal is or was. Who were we? What what animal is evoked and comes from our spirit in that beautiful indigenous story? I'm convinced that I am indeed a lab, a Labrador. When I'm near water, I've got to go in that water. In my former life, I know I'm a black lab. You see, these animals in the incarnation and this particular cat, this particular dog, this particular bird, this particularity speaks about that connection one to another and the love that we experience in that divinity. Well, of course, I've got to get to Richard Rohr, and he has written a book called The Universal Christ. And in it, in the beginning, he de dedicates the book to his dog, Venus, who has died. And he writes these words that are so profound to us as we consider animals and their incarnation. Christianity has missed a message central to the gospel that through Jesus Christ, God loves and redeems everyone and everything. If all of this is true, he writes, we have a theological basis, a very natural religion that includes everybody. The problem was solved from the beginning. Take your Christian head off, shake it wildly and put it back on. Building from scripture, Rohr quotes Colossians 3.11, there is only Christ, he is everything and he is in everything. Through him, all things were reconciled, everything in heaven and on earth. Rohr believes everything without exception is an outpouring of God. He writes, the humpback, humpback whale, the whirl of a washing machine, a soldier far from home, the Carina Nebula Cuban uh, Hubble Space Telescope, a woman marching in the streets for civil rights, a family of asylum seekers segregated at the border, coffee, Oreos, sunset, laughter, without apology or any lightweight theology or fear of heresy, I can appropriately say that Venus, my dog, was also Christ for me. Do you see in this writing that he's inviting us to see that, that the animals are not just objects, they are part of us. It is who they are that opens us to see the divine, to see the Christ in everything. Yes, in the trees and the mountains and the waters and also in animals because animals connect us one to another. Eckhart Tolle in his book, The Power of Now, has a beautiful quote about this. And he invites us, he says, watch any plant or animal and let, eat, let it teach you acceptance of what is. Surrender to the now. Let it teach you being. When you do this, thought subsides when you pet your dog 
or you have a purring cat on your chest. Even just watching an animal can take you out of your mind. It is more deeply connected with the source of life than most humans. And at that rootedness in being, we are transmitted and it transmits to you. Millions of people who otherwise would be completely lost in the conceptual reality of their mind are kept sane by, by living with an animal. In this, he reminds us again that there is deep sacredness and unity in that animal. While you're saying to me, you're quoting Richard Rohr and you're quoting Eckhart Tolle, you're not talking about any Christian theologians. And then funnily enough, I ended up seeing a note this past week by Walter Brueggemann. Now, theologians will tell you he is the grandfather of Hebrew theology and biblical theology. And when I came across an article called Ode to Sammy, my eyes popped out of my head. What? Who's Sammy? And sure enough, Sammy was his cat. And in this, Walter Brueggemann, the grandfather, the grand poobah, of theology in his 80s, writes about how the death of his cat influenced his theology. And what's amazing in the article, Ode to Sammy, is he talks about the I-thou relationship that Martin Buber wrote about. The I-thou theology says that we are in relationship, I to thou. And there's a unity that we seek after. There's a connection we seek after. That, it, that is the deepest, most profound sense of love and connection. And it is that I-thou relationship that we all seek, whether we know it or not, that invites us to unity. In the article, he talks about the relationship with the cat and how the cat observes the world and how he observes the cat. And in their observation together, there is a unity and a connection. Yes, this is coming from a theologian. In the article, it ends where he has paraphrased Psalm 147, and I read it for you now. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, storming wind fulfilling the command, mountain and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. And he writes, Praise you, domesticated cats, along with dogs. Praise you, French secular cats. Praise you, Jewish mystical cats. Praise you, beautiful tabby cats from the Midwest. Let all cats declare their creatureliness in praise. Praise you, glad, furry, loud, purring, beloved Sammy. Do you hear in this a playful joy and gratitude for the connection that the cat has given him? The cat that lived 15 years and was in continual relationship with them. He ends this article by saying, in the Hebrew Bible, in the creation story, God says at the end, this is good, very good. And Walter Walter Brueggemann says, when God speaks, cat ease, cat language, God might say creation is perfect. You see in this playfulness that during COVID, animals have been our connection. They brought us connection one to another and to a family and community. 
We've been invited in creation to pay attention to the animals that are undomesticated. And in all of this particularity, this thisness, this thisness, we experience and touch love. And it is that unity and that connection and that capacity to connect to the incarnate in the flesh and the embodiment that we celebrate at Christmas this coming week. It is about the word becoming flesh and the person of Jesus in a manger, in a cave, in Bethlehem that speaks about what God looks like with skin on. I want to close by showing you a video that perhaps you've seen before, and it speaks about the incarnation that we know and discover in a dog. May this short video invite you to see and to know incarnation and love. Thanks be to God as we watch. I look up and I see God. I look down and see my dog. Simple spelling G-O-D. Same word backwards D-O-G. They would stay with me all day I'm the one who walks away But both of them just wait for me And dance at my return with glee Both love me no matter what Divine God and canine mind Take it hard each time I fail But God forgives Dog wags his tail God thought up and made the dog Dog reflects a part of God I've seen love from both sides now It's everywhere, amen I look up and I see God I look down and see my dog And in my human frailty I can't match their love for me I don't know about you, but I love that video. Uh, The gift and connection between an animal and that connection, the incarnate of God, made known in everything as we heard in this sermon. So as you go this day, I invite you to, if you would like to return to our blue service uh, tonight at seven o'clock. This is a service set aside for those for whom this is a difficult year. I don't know anybody who hasn't had a difficult year. Check our website for that. Hang around after this blessing because we have invited people to share their photographs of their animals. I invite you to see that as well. So uh, let us trust that God is indeed beyond us, within us, and around us. That God comes alive in our pets, in our animals, in all of creation. And if we love, and if we love these creatures, we will want the best for the environment, 
and for the animals and for humans. And so may it ultimately come down to this. May we love and live that love in the world. As we step ever closer to Christmas, I invite you this week to find space to understand, to reflect, and to live love. And do so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, who is mother of us all. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.